You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Yes, indeed. Here we are back for another month. We have flipped the calendar to September and we're ready for the latest edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am just the capable, somewhat rested host, TJ Reeves. He is the owner, the operator, the purveyor of SportsMediaWatch.com. He is John Lewis back again on another edition. Happy September. Happy football. We're ready to talk about all angles as it relates to the media, but football is here. Good to have you. Good to good to be with you. Hey, good to be with you too. Uh, September, you know, hey, wouldn't it be nice if it was June 1st, but it's September 1st. That's fine. I know school's going back into session, but uh, the, the football component, and we've already seen this. Let's Let's get right in. We've already seen this with the college football games, in particular primetime games, John, at the time that we're taping that have scored repeatedly. Speaking of scoring touchdowns, I think Ohio State just got another touchdown on Minnesota, but the ratings are scoring at the same rate. That Thursday night primetime game on Fox did exceptionally well. The Georgia-Clemson Saturday night primetime game on ABC, again, exceptionally well. And then a standalone Notre Dame-Florida State game, Again, it's Notre Dame. They draw well nationally in primetime all the time. Uh, tremendous ratings again for ABC and ESPN. John, to you, what do you make of this? Did you sort of expect this? Did it exceed your expectations on the amount of interest in the college football primetime games to start the year Labor Day weekend? You can kind of get the sense that there was some pent-up demand for college football of all the sports last year that were affected by the uh, current events. Fact is, college football was probably the worst affected other than college basketball. It was a miserable pretend season. Uh, all the stops and starts, games being canceled at the last minute, you know, the Big Ten deciding they weren't going to play, the Pac-12 deciding they weren't going to play, and then, you know, coming back with their tail between their legs like five minutes later. It was a horrible season last year. Horrible. And so, you know, really, and this is not to take away from Alabama, 
you know, they won, obviously it's Alabama. They, they were, they were going to win under any circumstance. Right. But last year wasn't a real season. The, the champion is legit and the champion ranks with the great champions. Alabama earned it, but last year wasn't a real season. You know, um, there's no asterisk, but it wasn't a real season. Uh, and I think there was a lot of anticipation for the first time in two years to have actual college football. Um, really, you'll see the same thing with probably the NFL as well. One of the reasons why the NBA and NHL didn't have the kind of rebound that maybe a lot of people would have expected, those really weren't real seasons either, right? You know, th- we're, we're starting to see sports as we are comfortable with, right? And I think if you get the right matchup, you'll see that in baseball too in October. Fair enough. Uh, Again, I did not remind at the beginning of the podcast, as you hear John's takes here, make sure if you have not subscribed to this podcast, wherever you get podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Again, we should clarify, follow the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Subscribing means you've got to pay for it on those outlets. You do not have to pay for this podcast. The takes are still free uh, from John uh, here on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Wherever you get the podcast, find us, subscribe. It comes automatically to you. We're usually out during the week. We will talk some NFL in a few moments, but I want to stay on this college uh, football topic. And you mentioned the brand names. It's no accident. Ohio State in the marquee spot for Fox Thursday night. The Georgia-Clemson game, tremendous in the South, but also nationally, those are brand names playing in the Notre Dame uh, is Notre Dame. From your standpoint, enlighten the audience here, what does that mean for the networks, for the advertisers? Because it seems to have over-delivered. For example, you wrote on the site, the Clemson-Georgia game was the highest-rated primetime game on the opening weekend in, in like four or five seasons how much of a bump is that for advertisers for Fox and ABC, ESPN and those primetime games? What do you what do you analyze there? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, it's heartening because it means that what we saw last year where it took until mid-October before a single game had, you know, six million viewers that we what we saw last year was an anomaly. Uh, and it gives you the sense that, OK, we can expect something more normal. Uh, you know, Robert Seedman, who writes uh, at Sports TV Ratings on Twitter, he's been, you know, kind of sounding the alarm routinely through the past year, reminding everybody that the current numbers include out-of-home viewing and 2019 and prior do not. So there's a certain element where, you know, the numbers might look a little bit better than they would otherwise. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think college football is more popular right now than it was two or three years ago. Uh, I think, you know, there was a little bit of a desire to get back to regular college football, a desire to see some of these really good games. It's not like they were a bunch of bad games, right? You know, um, you had Georgia and Clemson top five matched up. Florida State kept it close against Notre Dame pretty much the whole game. Uh, I'll be very intrigued to see that Labor Day number, Louisville, Mississippi. I don't know if anyone really had much of an appetite for that. But, um, you know, you, you get good games, you get that pent up desire for, for college football and you'll get the numbers that you see. And with Ohio State, Michigan or Minnesota, I should say, Minnesota was close for a lot of that game, too, and led at the half, if I recall correctly. So, you know, that always helps. And those brand names, Ohio State, Florida State, Florida State hasn't been relevant for years, but, you know, they're still that name. Miami hasn't been relevant for years, even longer than Florida State. They're still Miami. You know, these are. You know, people want to watch the Yankees, the Lakers, the Cowboys, Notre Dame, Florida State, you you know, uh, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, doesn't matter what the records are. Very true. And Alabama even scored in the middle of the day, even a blowout game 
with Miami, to your point about brand names uh, there as well. Uh, a fun one, kind of your opinion, your take. We love these. Uh, ESPN's College Game Day is obviously the iconic uh, Saturday morning show, but Fox seems to me to be making some progress with their big noon uh, kickoff show before the big noon kickoff game. Their preview show is an hour long, usually at the site of that game that they're about to broadcast. Uh, Rob Stone, who is a longtime broadcasting friend and colleague of mine, is the host. They have A-list analysts and celebrities, not unlike ESPN, but uh, recent relevance with the likes of Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush. They had Urban Meyer a year ago. They've added Bob Stoops. They've got Brady Quinn, the former Notre Dame quarterback. John, your opinion on that Fox pregame show as we will see that lead into their big noon kickoff throughout the season? Well, you know, to be honest, I can't sit down and say that I saw either show over the weekend. Uh, I did not see either show over the weekend. Uh, I will say that college game day is very vulnerable. I think that uh, game day has been around for a long time. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people hate ESPN. People don't really hate game day. Game day is probably one of the only things other, other than Scott Van Pelt that ESPN has that, that is, that's just not hated. So, you know, a lot of people dislike ESPN, but they don't really dislike college game day. Game day, along with Scott Van Pelt, probably the only things that ESPN has that are not actively disliked by people on social media. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, it's certainly a show that represents the best of what the network can do. Uh, ultimately, it's nonetheless vulnerable. It's been around for a while, a bit long in the tooth. And, you know, Corso is getting older. You can't imagine that Lee Corso is going to continue to be on the show for too many more years. You have to think he's going to retire. Frankly, maybe even be after this season. Maybe he wanted to get one more season in of normalcy, kind of like Marv Albert did uh, after missing the bubble, coming back for one more year. So, you know, once they lose Corso, that's a huge part of the show. The huge part of the culture of College Game Day is Lee Corso. Uh, after that, you know, I mean, what are they going to have? Curb Street put the uh, put the mascot head on at the end. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it, they, they're going to lose a lot when Lee Corso leaves the show. Uh, and I think Game Day is vulnerable. I think you know, ultimately, I, I think Big Noon can. I wouldn't say catch Game Day, but they can take away from Game Day. Um, this isn't going to be like when Fox News caught and surpassed CNN, right? They're not going to do that. But they can make life a little difficult for, for, for game day going forward. And they already are in, uh, in, 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 you know, in terms of drawing very strong ratings. So uh, maybe not last season. I don't even remember how either show did last season, but two years ago. I think uh, the benefit that Big Noon has is the tremendous strategy of having the biggest game air in the noon window. This was a very smart move that revitalized a very, very weak college football brand on Fox. Uh, and uh, one, ESPN has good games in the noon window, of course, but not every week. Uh, more often than not, they don't have a good game in the noon window. They've committed to prime time on ABC. So Fox has a disproportionately strong game. And because of that, people are going to be more likely to tune in early for the final few minutes of big noon, if the noon game is a big game. If game day is leading into, what was the game this week on ESPN? Uh, let me see here. I want to say it was Michigan and Western Michigan was on yeah. ESPN. And I'm trying to remember, I think the noon game on ABC was Oklahoma and Tulane. Yeah. 
And as it turns out, game day wasn't at either place. They were right. at Alabama and Miami for later in the day to lead it. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, one, yeah, Michigan and Oklahoma, big brand names. I'm sure their fans were, were sticking around uh, to ESPN or ABC. But, you know, Fox is at Penn State, Wisconsin, and they're leading into Penn State, Wisconsin. And that's a matchup of ranked teams. And it's a major Big Ten conference matchup, not Big Ten versus, you know, some random team that's going to lose. So that is a, a, a great thing for Fox. And it was a brilliant idea. It's amazing nobody came up with it first. So that allows Fox to be very competitive. It gives them a leg up. Uh, Rob Stone is a very solid host. Uh, I think Reggie Bush is someone people like. Uh, Liner seems to be fine. I mean, you know, they've got a decent team there. Uh, Urban Meyer was their big star. I actually don't think it's a bad thing that they lost Urban Meyer because people don't really like Urban Meyer that much. I think he's a very controversial figure. Bob Stoops, you know, I don't know if Stoops is going to be the guy going forward, but it reminds you a little bit. Well, why, why do you, why do you, uh... I have two points on that. The first one is they need some diversity in terms of if they're going to have a big 12 game and he's a big 12 voice because Leinert and Bush are obviously pac 12. They had urban Meyer kind of for the big 10 Brady Quinn is a Notre Dame. I kind of like that. And Stoops is actually funny with some one-liners. I've seen a bunch of stuff, his television show, him being interviewed. And I don't think he'll hold back on opinions. I think he may be better at the opinion part than what Meyer was because Meyer would not give you a lot because I think he was always looking to get back into coaching. That's my take. Please uh, give me your take on that. Well, you probably have a better take on that than I do. I haven't seen the show yet this season. Um, So, you know, uh, Stoops uh, on, on paper doesn't sound like as big a name as Urban Meyer, but if he can, you know, if he's got some TV chops uh, and is someone people like, then, you know, that's half the battle. And, you know, ESPN, Look, people like uh, Reese Davis. Reese does not seem to have, there's not, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of Reese Davis hate on social media, and uh, they hate everyone on social media. Uh, so, you <laughs> Do know. they hate us? I hope they don't hate us yet. Then again, if you get big enough, then I guess you get the hate. So maybe we do need a little hate if we get big enough. But I, they can't hate us right now. We've, we haven't been doing this long enough, John. Uh, we're not on the radar yet. So, <laughs> but, you know. You know Desmond Howard being a Michigan player, there's going to be some of that with Ohio State. And Herb Street is an interesting one because, you know, I, I like Kirk Herb Street. I have no problem with him. Over the years, I think he has taken on more social media hate. And I would say Herb Street probably is in that danger zone where the moderating impact of having Lee Corso there next to him every week, once that's gone, maybe the, maybe the, the wolves start going for, for Herb Street in a way that they haven't before. Because you know, he's already in that danger zone on social media sentiment wise. I have no problem with him, but, you know, I'm not Twitter. Right. So uh, I, I do think that the, on the likability front, you know, Fox could compete. One thing I will say, you know, I don't know what to make of the Clay Travis involvement. Clay is an enormously controversial figure. Uh, and he is somebody who has made as his business this idea, well, we should keep co- politics out of sports, right? And, you know, then he comes in and interviews the Senate candidate. And yes, that Senate candidate is one of the great football players of all time, Herschel Walker, but he's nonetheless a Senate candidate. He's a political right. figure now, right? Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think Fox, obviously college football swings more conservative in terms of its fan base, uh, but... I think if Fox is smart, 
they're not going to want to have a lightning rod there because that's going to, you know, make their lives a little bit more difficult. Or, or maybe they do want a lightning rod. You know, maybe they want to try to attack ESPN, uh, you know, which is perceived as being overly liberal. And that's something Clay Travis has done for years, which you know. Right. And I think the other part is they people need to understand they invested heavily in his OutKick website, in his deal with Fox to buy that website. And this was part of that deal that he would be part of the college football, which is his forte. Right. So it's kind of serving all interest there. Again, forget about what you think of him uh, politically um, or otherwise. He has college football cachet. Is that the right way to put it? Or weight or gravity? And they're trying to utilize that just as a different voice. Again, I don't work for him. I'm not his PR guy. I just see what they're trying to do, John. No, I, I understand that. And, you know, it reminds me of when, you know, Oberman, after his MSNBC days, would do sports again. Uh, I remember when he went to Football Night in America. Obviously, people weren't going to be thrilled about that. Uh, and, the, and the interesting thing is when he debuted on Football Night in America all the way back in 2007, NBC actually aired an episode of Countdown leading into uh, football, uh, the football game, a preseason game. Uh, and uh, at halftime, they even had him do one of his special comments that he would do on MSNBC about Michael Vick. Uh, and, you know, that probably wasn't received well, but it wasn't a big deal either, because ultimately from there on, Keith's presence on football night was solely sports related. Uh, when he had his MSNBC or excuse me, his ESPN2 show, that was mostly sports related. Uh, and uh, when he was on SportsCenter, that was sports related. You can have people with this background if they stick to sports, right? Isn't that the refrain? So, you know, if Clay wants to be there, I would think stick to sports would be the smart way to go, right? Um, you know, when Rush Limbaugh was on NFL Countdown, it was so interesting because uh, Rush was aimless and pointless that first four weeks, right? He was just sitting there on the side, throwing his little challenge flag in, and it was it didn't work. Like what, no matter whether you liked Rush or didn't like him, it just didn't work. Like you're asking this guy to come in and say nothing and throw a little challenge flag in from the side, like he's at the kid's table. It was absurd. So then Rush finally did what he was hired to do, you know, and ESPN got away with pretending to be shocked. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. We hired Rush Limbaugh and he said something inflammatory on race. I can't believe it. What a right. shock. Right. And you know, this isn't that. Because Clay is a sports person, so he can just stick to sports. He can. Rush couldn't stick to sports because he was too far gone by that point. He was simply a political figure. But, you know, if you're going to have Clay there, well, what's that refrain that Clay loves so much? Is it stick to sports? Well, stick to sports, right? And if you're going to interview, if you're going to interview Herschel Walker, you don't mention the fact that he's running for Senate. You know what I mean? But, you know, I don't know. I mean... Ultimately, uh, I do think that's going to bring in a lot of negative press that they don't need to bring in if they have him doing political tinged things every week. So I would recommend that they probably they can have him there. He knows sports. He's a sports guy. But, you know, maybe uh, have the uh, Senate, you know, PR pieces <laughs> shelved uh, for the rest of the season. Great stuff here from John Lewis. Again, sportsmediawatch.com podcast, our latest episode. You can follow John, by the way, on social media, on Twitter at Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N underscore S-M-W for Sports Media Watch. Uh, and again, a reminder to subscribe to the podcast as we rock along. 
Next topic, John, will be the National Football League. It is here, the 2021 season. Full disclosure to the audience, as we roll out the podcast this week on SportsMediaWatch.com, I am associated with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their radio broadcast. I have to say with pride again, the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers open up the season Thursday night at the time we're taping with the Dallas Cowboys. I think we've heard of them. NBC in town here in my town to show this everywhere. Uh, so, John, there's uh, there's a lot of hype and a lot of buildup right now to this upcoming game. Interesting for what you do. Uh, give me a thought here, uh, kind of along the same lines that the college football ratings in primetime have bounced back. What do you think? What do you anticipate with the matchup, et cetera, with the Cowboys being involved for Thursday night debut with NBC? What are you thinking? Well, you know, I don't know. Right. So for a while, I've had this gut feeling the NFL is due for another drop in ratings. Uh, my, my viewpoint is simply this three or four, maybe five or six years ago. Now, the normal rating for that 425 p.m. window was a 15, maybe a 14 in a week, week, sometimes a 16 or even a 17. Today, the normal rating for that 425 window is maybe a 12 in a good week, maybe a 13 in a weak week, maybe an 11. And so, you know, we've seen that the tier is going down. I feel like by the end of this decade, a good 425 p.m. rating is going to be maybe an eight or a nine, you know, and that's a trend that I can see happening. Now, that doesn't mean that that's going to start this year. So my thought is, my gut sense is that NFL ratings are going to keep going down over the long term, but maybe this year will be an exception to that. You know, I, I think the schedule is really good. There's clearly some appetite for football based on the college game, but I won't be surprised either way. I think for Thursday's game, I won't be surprised if it's on par with last year. I won't be surprised if it's up. I won't be surprised if it's down. I just think, and again, maybe I could be accused of being biased. Tom Brady is such a national and even polarizing for some figure in terms of on the field and controversy and love hate with new England. And then you've got the Cowboys. And I think I have the official stats in front of me because NBC always loves to put these out. Uh, Fox loves to put these out. Uh, in the last, uh, let's say, decade, the last 50 highest-rated broadcasts, the Cowboys have been involved in 172 of them. They seem to be involved. I'm joking. We, they seem to be involved in every one of the most important broadcasts. So right. is that not maybe a recipe where this does really well Thursday, whereas if it had been one of those years like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and didn't have Tom Brady and it's whomever they're opening with and it's not the Cowboys, you didn't have the same expectation. You follow me there? Well, I mean, the Cowboys effect, it's similar to what the Lakers can do and what the, what the Yankees can do. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I really, it's very hard for me to, to gauge. Um, you know, they had Packers Bears two years ago and that had a 12.8 rating. That was a big number. I don't necessarily feel 100% confident that Bucks Cowboys will get that number. Um, you know, 12.8 is a big rating in the NFL today. Five or six years ago, it would have been kind of middling almost for one of those national windows 12.8 today is a really big number I, I don't know I mean I really it's very hard to gauge if I was making my ratings predictions post now I might go with you know 
12 on the dot or something up from last year's 11.2, but down from, from 19. I just, I don't really, I mean, I really truly have no idea where the NFL's ratings are going to go. I mean, I don't even really know where college football's ratings are going to go. I know we, they had a great week one, but you know, there's more to life than week one. Right. And uh, I don't know. I just, there's something to me. I don't think all of this was just COVID in terms of the ratings declining. I think some of it was trends that, are not going to be going away. Uh, and, you know, I, I just, I, I don't necessarily know that those trends are, are, are going to be uh, just dissipating just because everything's back toward normal. John will be writing a lot about this on sportsmediawatch.com, uh, but the election year cycle two is not here it was there in 2020 and obviously that takes some interest some eyeballs away depending on what you believe it certainly did for 2016 it certainly did for 2020 does it bounce back some in 2021 that's what we are about to find out a couple more uh, on this al michaels will be on the call uh, there is some speculation this could be his final year doing prime time uh, Sunday night football for NBC long time before that was Monday night football, ESPN and ABC. Um, all right. So we don't know this for sure, but this, this might be a victory tour in some ways for Al Michaels, right, John? Well, you know, uh, Andrew Marchand of the New York post seems very confident in this. He's been reporting on this for more than a year that Michaels will finish it up after the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. It's kind of an open secret at this point. You know, I mean, uh, maybe this is a little bit of ageism, right? I mean, Al has not lost a step. Marv Albert had lost a step. Dick Stockton had lost a step. Al Michaels hasn't lost a step yet. Uh, Al is as good now as he's ever been. Uh, and, you know, if we're being frank, Mike Tirico is excellent. Al Michaels is better at this, right? It's not an, it's not an insult of Mike Tirico to say that Al Michaels is better. Um, you know, I... I I mean, they have to do this because Mike Tirico didn't sign with NBC five years ago. Can you imagine? He signed with NBC five years ago. He's been there for five years, half a decade. Hasn't been the lead NFL voice yet. You know, they have to give him the role. That's what he came there for. But, you know, I mean, that was them doing that Leno Conan thing where it's like, well, you know, the guy you're pushing out is, well, Leno was never really all that good, but let's pretend that Leno was good. You know, the guy you're pushing out is great. Why are you doing this? I know the, I know the other guy is good too, but you're, you're set. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's unnecessary. And, you know, Al will land on his feet because there's all this hubbub about him doing the Thursday night football. Or, you know, I'm sure if he wants a role somewhere, he can have it. Um, but mm, I feel like you have something that works. Al and Chris, they do a good job. Tariko obviously wants the bigger role. Well, then let Tariko go back to ESPN, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about rushing Al Michaels out of there. Because Al is one, what is he, 76, 75? Right around there, yes. So he could do one more Super Bowl even after this, right? As, uh, I don't think Al's going to have a tremendous amount of, of decline in quality between now and 79. So, you know, uh, I, I would be hesitant to, to rush him out of there with all due respect to Tirico, who is great. 
And in Tariko's case, he signed on to almost, as we've talked about on a previous podcast, kind of be the Bob Costas role of they have him at all the big events. For example, he was at the tour championship, the PGA tour culmination in Atlanta as the host, as the part-time play-by-play man there, fresh off of the Olympics in Tokyo, where he was the host in primetime there. He's been associated with the NHL coverage, the triple crown horse racing, whatever there is. He was even at the Indianapolis 500 earlier this year for NBC and their coverage as the host. So he's kind of plugged in as the everything guy and the NFL, and he will be on the football night uh, in America studio show for Thursday night in that same role that he's been in for the last few years. Uh, One more, and then we're going to get to some love it or leave it. You mentioned the 425 window, a unique situation out of the awful Hurricane Ida for Louisiana. Uh, And again, our our hearts go out to um, tens of thousands of Louisianans that still do not have power, homes destroyed, businesses destroyed, lives put on hold. So football is secondary. We get that. The Saints cannot play their home game scheduled for the Superdome this weekend. It was decided upon in negotiations with the Saints and the NFL, the game will be in Jacksonville. The prerequisite fundamentally was they needed an NFL stadium, hardwired to talk to the command center for instant replay, et cetera. They tried to figure this out. They could have maybe done it in Dallas. They have a big concert in Dallas on Tuesday. And by contract, my understanding is the uh, the concert promotion, the concert uh, legwork people, all the details people, they got access to the stadium as of this Sunday, so they couldn't play the NFL game at AT&T Stadium while the Cowboys are not there. So in any event, John, the game is in Jacksonville, Florida, New Orleans Saints and Green Bay Packers, kind of a neutral field. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be there. It is the Fox national game. So sometimes you just got to make lemonade out of the lemons here with this. And they've had to move this game to Jacksonville. I'll be fascinated to say, to see how big the crowd is, how many Packer fans would be there. The saints were concerned about this enough because they understood that if you allow the Packer fans, they might overrun the place and have 40 or 50,000 fans at what's supposed to be a saints home game. So we'll see what it looks like in Jacksonville. What, how eager are you to look at this and see what it is in the late window Sunday from Jacksonville saints and Packers. Well, you got to remember the ratings are definitely going to be down because you have two competing doubleheaders. So this is what you usually see in week 17. No one's really talked about this, but because of the addition of week 18, now the NFL is doing the, you know, uh, the week 17 format of having both networks here doubleheaders. They're doing it in week one, too. So the ratings will definitely be down because CBS will have a 425 p.m. game with Nance and, you know, uh, uh, Tony Romo, et cetera. Uh, earring opposite. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it'll be interesting, you know, um, certainly the neutral side aspect might make it more interesting. Uh, the curiosity of seeing the Saints playing in Jacksonville, but, you know, the ratings will definitely be down just just because you have two doubleheaders going on at the same time and the audience will be split. And in your case, to your point, Nance and Romo are working the Kansas City Cleveland Browns playoff rematch that is coming in the late window on Sunday as the NFL gets underway and uh, and then NBC also comes back with the Bears and the Rams on Sunday night after the Thursday night game they come back with that one from Los Angeles on Sunday night Monday night game Raiders and Ravens 
and uh, go back to last week's podcast to hear John unload about the whole thing with the Manning brothers doing their alternate broadcast and what it means to Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick that they will be calling the Raiders game with the Ravens, but we even have a split announcer situation on ESPN and ESPN2. Go Again, a free plug. Go back and listen to last week's podcast for some thoughts on that. We need to get to something that has kind of become a staple on this podcast. Here we go. Love it or leave it. First up uh, for love it or leave it, John, uh, Brian Kelly has gotten into some hot water after his post-game interview on ESPN, ABC, on the field after the Notre Dame dramatic overtime win with the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, Kelly was was asked an immediate question about the end of the game and then brought up the execution of his team and how they should all be executed uh, after the way that they played. He was knocking off a line of my former Buccaneer famous coach with the one-liners, John McKay, who at one time with the bad Buccaneers was asked about the execution of his team and said, I'm in favor of it. So Kelly was trying to make a joke, didn't make a joke. I'm coming at it from this standpoint. We like, we like honesty. We like non-stock answers. And sometimes it's not the best thing to grab these coaches immediately after a dramatic finish, a hard-fought game, and stick a mic in front of them. That's me saying this because you're going to get some gruff off the cuff, some insults, uh, et cetera. All right, John, what is your take on Brian Kelly and, uh, and the comment the other night? Because a lot of people are talking about it. Well, you know, I wasn't on social media Sunday night and I actually didn't catch the game. So, uh, you know, look, uh, it's the whole thing is customarily uh, characteristically stupid. Uh, you know, another circumstance where you have, uh, you know, a clumsy comment and an overreaction. It's ridiculous and not worth any of our time. How about that? I, right. I, I, I loathe this story. It's not love it or leave it. It's loathe it. He loathes it. All right. I was going to say, leave it. You say loathe it on that uh, with that, with the post-game interviews. Uh, All right. Uh, Another fun one here. Love it or leave it. Let's talk alternate uniforms. We've seen this mostly in football, but it's infiltrated now. Uh, Major League Baseball, the NBA, college basketball, the NHL. The alternate uniforms, we're, we're seeing it all over the place now. We're going to see it in the NFL season, yes, but the college season, too. They sometimes even come out in camouflage some, in the South, some version of camouflage. John, love it or leave it, alternate uniforms, or do you like the tradition, the traditional uniforms? Uh, I'll come with uh, kind of a, an in-between opinion here. I don't mind alternate uniforms at all. I think they are nice when they are done sensibly. Nike has created the circumstance with the NBA where every team has multiple alternate uniforms each year and they change by the year. That's absurd. Uh, Not enough teams have good designs to sustain that number of alternate uniforms. You end up with ridiculous uniforms that have no connection to the team and are worn for one year. Uh, You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, ultimately it's all a money grab. That's really all sports is now and all it really ever has been realistically. But now it's just more nakedly of a a money grab. And uh, again, I don't mind alternate uniforms in general. You know, every team gets one. Maybe some teams get two. You keep them around for a few years. Like the Utah Jazz, their mountain, uh, you know, sunset uniforms were right. fine by me. I didn't have a problem with that. And they kept those for a few years. But when you have, you know, uh, for example, the Celtics wearing gray one year, and then the next year they wear the little Irish font, 
jersey. And then last year was the banner jersey. I mean, this is the Boston Celtics. You know, maybe you have a little bit of respect for the branding of trying to make sure you're not diluting it. Uh, same thing with baseball. I don't mind one-offs, you know, the Red Sox Boston Marathon jerseys. Okay, fine. Keep those around for a few years. Then you can replace them with a new one the year after. But this thing Nike does where it's like, well, here's one for one year. Then next year, here's another one. These teams don't have the ability to put out a good alternate uniform every single year. You have to have some consistency, but you know, it's Nike, right? Uh, and uh, Nike doesn't really care about anything other than sales, which is perfectly fine, you know? Uh, but eventually you're going to dilute these brands uh, to where it's going to be hard for any jersey to, uh, to, to be relevant to anybody. Good point on that. And we saw like the Milwaukee Bucks. I know you didn't mention this one in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm not sure if they were it in the conference finals wearing the old, older, like blue and light green color scheme that looked like the Minnesota Timberwolves, all in the name of selling more Giannis jerseys and more present day player jerseys if they oh, yeah. could. So yeah, just well, wanted your take on that. With the Bucks, you know, they had those blue uniforms because technically they've got blue in their color scheme now, representing the lakes, right? Uh, before that, they had the Cream City uniforms. Before that, they had the, uh, the, the jerseys that were patterned after the floor at the Mecca. And by the way, <laughs> yes. in, yeah. in, in addition to that, they had two jerseys that year that were patterned after the floor of the Mecca. And then um, this year, in addition to the blue jersey, they also had the green alternate jersey that had the, uh, the uh, antlers on it. I mean, uh, it's pathetic. Too much. Too yeah. much on that. Not too much on this. I always love the insight of John Lewis, and we got the football every which direction. I guess we could do it one more time officially. Love it or leave it. I just need to know, are you going to have on a typical Saturday or Sunday, multiple screens? Do you love you some four or five screens or do you leave it to just one or two screens, even on an NFL Sunday, et cetera? What about in the Paulson man cave? Love it or leave it. Lots of screens. Uh, probably one screen. I mean, rarely do I have two screens going at the same time. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'll try to get, uh, if you have red zone, you don't really need multiple screens. So I'll probably try to get that this year. Um, you know, as far as college football goes, I'm happy to have it back. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I'm glad that the stadiums are filled. I'm glad that it looks and sounds normal, at least so far. Uh, doesn't mean I'm watching a ton of it. I actually hardly watched any. I watched Ohio State, Minnesota, some of that. Uh, frankly, uh, the games I watched most of last week were probably Holy Cross, UConn, and Illinois versus Texas San Antonio. And that was just really a function of idleness more than anything. So, you know, I mean, I like college football. I'm glad it's happening. But, you know, I'm, I don't need two screens for that. Okay. I learn more and more about John all the time. Clemson, Georgia doesn't do it for him. Holy Cross and UConn, he's all about it. That is part of who he is uh, from sportsmediawatch.com. And again, uh, go check out the site. A reminder again to subscribe to this podcast. Again, follow us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe everywhere else, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, et cetera. That's where the podcast goes out. John, I always love the insight. Football is back. We'll be reading you with the ratings your analysis, and much more on sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you for more time here on the podcast, sir. Hey, no problem. See you next week. 
There you go. There's John Lewis. Find him again at Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N underscore S-M-W on Twitter. And again, sportsmediawatch.com. I'm merely TJ Reeve. Thank you for being with us on this edition of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.